Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in week three of our series called Life Under Pressure. We're talking about how life brings pressure at us from all, uh, all sides. And often, if you're somebody who follows Christ, you get an extra dose of pressure. Pressure you feel to conform to a certain mold or to tone down or maybe sometimes even to lose completely your faith. To change it so that it, it fits with what the culture feels like is appropriate. I was a Christian kid in high school and the pressure that I always felt was to kind of get in line with what my other friends were doing and keep my Christianity to myself. As, as long as it didn't impact things in, the, in like the real world, then it was fine. But when it did, people would start to look at you funny and in some cases not hang out with you as much or even at all. And so I did what a lot of Christian students did. I basically kept my faith to myself, which if you know much about Christianity, isn't exactly what we're called to do, but there was real pressure, you know? Uh, and so I felt that. Now, this pressure can lead us to feel pretty insecure about our faith. And, and that pressure, if it's unstopped, it acts kind of like acid to the foundation of what we believe about God and ourselves and, and even life in general. It eats away at it. And when we start to question what's really true, like who God is and who we are, that can lead to insecurity in a lot of places in our lives. What, what areas of life do we feel insecure? Well, a lot of places. Maybe someone else has something that you don't have, or, or perhaps it's in the area of intelligence, right? You just don't feel as smart as everybody else, and that has impacted your life, even if it's not true. Now, maybe it's something physical. Everyone on your Instagram feed is better looking and more, you know, buff and ripped than you are, or at least that's how it feels, or in the area of relationships, or even in the area of sexuality. In my high school, it felt like everybody had a newer car or a, a big house and a golf course membership, even if it wasn't true, but it felt that way. Maybe that's how you feel today too. Well, the Colossians, the, the people in the Colossian church had every reason to feel insecure. They were new believers in Jesus. This was not a popular thing in their culture. And the Gentiles who, who were non-Jewish thought that they were crazy to believe that this guy had supposedly come back from the dead and was God. And they figured this was just another religion who had come along and one out of many religions. Now the Jewish people were steeped in centuries of a belief system that influenced and informed their entire lives. And, and those who didn't follow Christ and believe he was the Messiah were vehemently opposed to anything having to do with him. They saw him as a threat and therefore they saw this early church as a threat to them too. And so they were, they were coming at them. They were arguing that they needed to change their beliefs, especially that Gentiles needed to convert to Judaism first before coming to Christ. And this, this made people in that baby church in Colossae question their own beliefs. Have you ever done that? Like I questioned your beliefs. If you're human, the answer is yes. It's, it's natural to have questions about this thing called Christianity. I, I, I mean, this faith, 
all right? It makes some wild claims. So if you aren't asking questions, I'm not sure that you're thinking this thing all the way through. So, so let me stop and say that questions about your faith are normal and natural. And just because you ask them doesn't mean that you aren't faithful and you don't love God or, or you don't know Jesus. When, when I was in college, I had a period of time where I asked some intense questions about this stuff that I said that I believed. I was trying to figure out if I really believed or if it was just because my parents made me go to church. And when I got to college, I didn't have the pressure there to be a part of a church anymore or to even believe if, if that's what I chose to do. And so I, I went through several months of asking hard questions. Does God really exist? And if he does, who is he? Is Jesus really God? Like, how can we know that the Bible is authentic and, and real and can be trusted? And, and a lot of questions like that. And I had, to, I had to work through those and to find answers that satisfied me. I read a lot of author C.S. Lewis. I listened to a lot of messages and I talked to people that I trusted about it. And, and one thing that I'm glad I didn't do was ignore the questions or, or, or walk away from my faith. And because I did find the answers I needed, I got to a different place in, in my faith. Questions, they could have led to insecurity about this whole Christianity thing, which could have led to apathy in my faith or even like punting it away altogether. And instead I got to a place where it became stronger. There's a difference between asking good questions and, and exploring your faith and being insecure about it. God doesn't want us to be insecure about our faith. In fact, he says, you don't have to be insecure about your faith. He's inviting you and me to trust in it. And that's, that's exactly what Paul is getting at in the second half of chapter one of the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Now, Paul says, well, let me explain some things about this faith to you and, and why you can trust in it with everything you have. And he, he's saying this, he's saying you don't have to live with insecurity in your life anymore. And let me tell you why. And in order to do this, he digs into what uh, some people think is a, is a hymn that was sung. Other people think that Paul just wrote this himself. Regardless of either of those, this is one of the most beautiful passages about Jesus ever written. Like, like Paul wants to explain who Jesus is, why this matters, and why understanding who he is directly is directly connected to the security that you can have in your life. And so here's how he starts. And, and I want to read verse 15 through 20 all together because they're just beautiful words to see all at the same time. And then I want to draw out, like there's five reasons that we can be secure in Christ. In, in other words, five antidotes to our insecurity. He says it like this. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God 
and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight and without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, the first thing that we see here that I want you to see is that Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This is amazing. What he's saying is, hey, you want to know God? Like you're wondering who God is? You think he's mysterious, that, that he's unknowable? Not anymore. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. God's invisible. We can't see him, but we saw Jesus, he's saying, and, and he's God in all of his fullness, not just 10% God or 50% God. He's 100% God. That's why like when people ask me in one way or another, how do I know God? My answer almost always is read the gospels, read about Jesus, get close to him. Because when you get close to Jesus, when you sit in his words, when you meditate on what he did and on, on how he treated people, on the power that he had to heal, on, on how he elevated everyone around him and how he sacrificed himself and then he defeated death on the cross by way of an empty tomb. You're not just getting a picture of this guy who, who did these things, you're getting a picture of who God himself is. God is all of those things. And what Paul was saying to the Colossians was, was this. He was saying, if Christ is the image of God and all the fullness of God exists in him, then the Colossians won't find fullness, satisfaction in anything else. And it's the same for us. Since Jesus is the full expression of God himself, you won't find ultimate satisfaction in anything else else. You want to try? Go for it. Like if you want to try to find fulfillment in a, a, a different relationship, you can try. If you want to try to find fulfillment in, in accolades about yourself, you can try that too. If you want to find fulfillment in popularity or in, in social media influence or your career or a sport, go for it. But those things you will find lacking if you're doing them without Jesus. And that is because in Jesus, is the fullness of God. And when you follow him and make him the, like the fulcrum of your life, in other words, the point on which a lever rests where it, and where it pivots, when you allow him that spot in your life, your insecurities can begin to fade away. Another antidote that, to, to insecurity that Paul gives to the Colossians is this. He says, if everything, like things in heaven and on earth, Things that are visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, is what he says. If all of those things were created by Christ, then there are no threats from those powers that will stand. Paul's saying to the Colossians, if you're a Christian and you're, you, you are aligning yourself with the one who created everything, the one who created everything that you see here, everything that you see when you, when you like look up at the sky, all the stars, all the visible and invisible things, not only that, the people that are in charge of this earth. He's over all of them too, all the rulers, all the authorities, all the ones who oppress you, the, the ones who are putting pressure on you. Jesus is over all of them. He is in control. In other words, hey, Colossians, it may feel like you're not on the right side of things, but you are. You're with Jesus. You are in Christ, which means that you're following the one who is in charge of the ones who are oppressing you quite possibly right now. And what that means, 
is that none of those threats, as real as they feel, none of them will stand. Now, this is true for us, too. And he's saying this, Jesus is large and in charge. (laughs) And because that's true, he's over absolutely everything. He is supreme. He's all powerful and he's in control. He can and wants to be our security when all else seems to fail. Now, the pressure the Colossians were facing was pressure to do more on their own when it came to their faith. Their pressure was coming from outside of their church from Jewish antagonizers who were, they were challenging these recent converts that they needed to add to this new faith. They needed to add something to it. There was no understanding of grace and and salvation through faith alone. It wasn't about that. It was about working and striving and and trying harder and trying to present yourself as, as perfect. This pressure, it was seeping into the church. And as you might imagine, it was beginning to wear people out. It's, it's hard to try to be perfect. Paul reminds them of this. He reminds them that, that God's plan from the beginning was to reconcile things through Christ. Like he's saying, hey, Colossians, you don't need another plan for your salvation. And you definitely can't do this on your own. Now, For you and me, I don't think we wake up and we say, I need to come up with a plan for my own salvation. Nobody is thinking that, are are you? Like when it comes to what we sometimes believe though, and what we do is an outflow of what we believe, right? When it comes to what what we do practically day in and day out, which is out of what we believe, it's that we can become practical atheists. Now, now that sounds strong. So let me tell you what that, means. You, you may say like, I believe God exists. And maybe you're even saying, I believe that Christ died for my sins. But you also have a hard time believing that you don't have to earn something in that arrangement because every other place in your life is about earning and performance. It seems that way. So you begin to live like it's all up to you, that it's up to me to fix my life. It's up to me to be a good person. And, and, and practically speaking, that's leaving God out of the picture. It's practical atheism. Instead, Paul's saying to us, um, God's plan to redeem us in this world starts and ends with Jesus. When you know Jesus, you don't have to worry about how you look to other people. When you know Jesus, you don't have to worry if you've done enough. When you know Jesus, you don't have to worry about whether you're good enough or whether you're strong enough or whether you're smart enough or any of those things. You are all of those things and more because God sees you just as he sees Jesus, pure and spotless. That was God's plan from the beginning. And that has always been his plan, a plan to save this world that revolves around Jesus, not you and not me. Thank goodness. And then Paul seems to be answering another one of their questions, which may be leading to insecurity in them as well. And the question being basically this, like, I know that you're saying that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, but he isn't here right now either. How can we see him if he's not here? It may have been a question they were getting challenged by from the outside too. Like, hey, I know you're saying that Jesus rose from the dead. We hear you and you're worshiping him now, but like, come on, he's not even here. And to that, Paul answers, Jesus is not only the risen king, the risen savior who ascended into heaven. He says, and this is the fourth antidote to insecurity for the Colossians and for us. He says, if you want to see Jesus today, you want to see him, look at the church. 
He says, Jesus is the head of the church. That's the church with, with a capital C, right? The, like the church worldwide, the church global. Jesus is its head. There is no one else but him. And if you want to see this, you're going to have to look past the sins and the problems and the issues of the church, right? Because guess what? People are in churches and you know what that means? People are going to try to mess things up and we do. But when you look past those things, here's what you have. The church is the physical expression of Jesus in all of his love and his hope and his grace and his glory to a lost and dying world desperately in need of saving. And when you're part of the, the local church, when you're part of the local church, you are part of Christ's body. Does that change how you see yourself? Church member, <laughs> like you are a part of Christ's body and he wants to use you to accomplish his mission here on earth as a part of his body. And then there's the final antidote to insecurity I want to give you that Paul gives the Colossians here. And, and it's this idea that went completely counter to everything their attackers were saying. The message that they were hearing was you are not going to make it. Like you're not going to make it. And we hear that too. This religion isn't going to last. Return to what you used to know. Return to what you were because that's not going to sustain you now. You look so foolish following this Jesus God. That's the message they were hearing. And maybe you hear the same things in your world and in your life. Like you're putting your faith in Jesus. Like that's funny. Isn't that a little bit naive? You believe in that? I mean, I mean, it's nothing but a myth. Maybe you're hearing, you know, you're going to change your life for a guy who isn't even here anymore. Maybe you're hearing those things too, or you're feeling them. And here's what Paul had to say to the Colossians, and I think to us too. If Christ sustains the entire universe, then Christ can sustain you. If Jesus sustains the entire universe, then Jesus can surely sustain you and hold up you. This humble man who walked this earth with nothing but the, the shirt on his back and no home to speak of is also the one who created everything and he holds it all in his hands. He gives it life and breath. He holds it all together and if he can do that, if he can do that, imagine how well he can hold together your life. You're probably like me. You don't get everything you want. You don't get everything you ask for, but you do get everything you need. You, you, you have not only life and breath, but you have an intimate relationship with the one who no power of this world can stand up to and who will carry you through the darkest times without ever leaving your side. And if Christ sustains the entire universe, then Christ can sustain you. These are the antidotes to our insecurity. You know, when we begin to understand who Jesus really is, like when, when you do that, you're recognizing these things, that, that you won't find fullness and satisfaction in anyone else. You'll recognize that Jesus really is large and in charge and that God's plan starts and ends with Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything. And if you want to see Jesus, just look at the church. And if Christ can sustain the entire universe, then he can certainly do the same for you. Now, Paul finishes this part of the letter like this with a few more verses. He says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's 
people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul's like, I'm, I'm contending, like strenuously contending for this end that you might be mature in Christ. In other words, that you might be secure in him, not tossed back and forth by every cutting remark or by every sideways glance or by every cultural wave that wants to knock us back into our past in a very true and real way, not in this easy kind of Sunday school answer way, but in a real and authentic, the deepest of ways, Jesus is the antidote to our insecurity. And his goal is that you and I live lives of security because we've put our hope and our trust, not in anything this world has to offer, which will always let us down, but in the all sufficiency of Jesus himself. Let's pray. Father, we're just grateful that you are all sufficient. You are all powerful, you're in control. And therefore, our security can rest solely in, in, in your steps. Our, our feet can be on the solid rock of Jesus and not one foot into our culture and one foot uh, out. God, you've given us everything we need to feel and be secure in this world. And so when things come at us that try to knock us off of our step, when things come at us that, that will knock us off balance, would you just remind us to look not, only, not, not at those things, but look at you. Jesus, you're the author of our faith, you're the perfecter of our faith, and you are the one who holds the entire universe in your hands. So God, I know and trust not only for myself, but for everybody listening today, that you have the power to hold our lives all together in your hands too. Help us to trust you in that. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we wanna encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.